he goes and gets wings and throws them on the board. Now listen, man, this guy's breaking <laughs> barriers down. You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. We're not going to uh, Michigan our way to the finals, I guess, so... Um, yeah, we're trying it a lot. I mean, it's a skilled play. I get it, but I think that uh, that's kind of how our game's going right now. We're trying to skill our way through it, and we're trying to, uh, you know, toe drag, beat guys one on one. To win, to win, you have to play the right way. That was Team Canada member Dylan Gunther on the uh, the five two loss to Czechia on Boxing Day. Uh, Leafs Lunch is brought to you in part by 2 for 1 Pizza. Enjoy plant-based garden pesto pizza, pizza and wings, pizza and penne combo, and more. Visit 2for1pizza.com. Uh, I'm with Jonas Siegel of The Athletic. I'm Mike DiStefano. And uh, got another game tonight. Canada taking on Germany at the World Junior Championships. You can listen to that right here on TSN 1050. Puck drop at 630. Um yeah, well, what did you make of all the 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 hoopla that was uh, made of of the the team and the Michigan attempts that they were making early on, and and really just trying to win that game with skill? It seemed like afterwards the players it's a bit of a wake up call for them that that might not work in this tournament. I actually kind of think those things can sometimes be good for a team. I mean, you can even look to what happened here with the Leafs, where you get off to this funky start and things get really tense. Yeah. And it's almost like it kind of snaps you back into, like, this is not going to be, you're not just going to, like, dance your way to the gold. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of think in some ways it might be a blessing in disguise because, the, like, the hype for this team is just so almost out of control, right? Yeah, and I solely, solely blame Gord Miller for calling this, like, the most explosive team that Canada has sent since the Crosby, Getzlaff, Perry, team back in 2005 so um all love all love to gourd but you know i i here's the thing like when it comes to the michigan and when it comes to this team like just it's kind of the way that these kids all play in in today's game um at least they do here in canada and that's that's i think the problem is you know they look and they believe that they can win these games with all skill and and i kind of like the parallel that you drew with the toronto maple Leafs because if you look at the way that they were playing in october you saw a lot of that where they were trying to win games with skill as opposed to playing a cohesive hockey game as a team. And they were trying a lot of one-on-ones. They were trying the stretch passes, cross-ice passes that were getting knocked down, um, and they weren't getting a whole lot done. And it seemed like Canada was doing a lot of the same things against Czechia. And, uh, you know, that Czechia team, they're they're pretty good. Like, they've got a couple of prospects from, from last year that were high draft picks. They've got some draft picks that will be in the upcoming draft this year, that Shalikid looks pretty darn good as well. Um, but I I think that, much like Toronto, you're right where maybe this will be the wake-up call and they can kind of buy in and play a much more sound game, more of a, a, a north, north-south game as opposed to playing a lot of east-west. And tonight we'll have a chance to kind of avenge that loss against, um, against Germany. I'm with you. I'm with you all the way. I'm, I'm looking at the standings, and I'm wondering where Connor Bedard should go. Maybe I'll ask Scott. 
All right, let's get him on. I think he's on the line now. Uh, yeah, he is. All right, Scott Wheeler of The Athletic. Uh, Scott, how's it going, pal? How is it out east uh, in the East Coast? Have you been able to indulge yourself in a, a nice traditional East Coast donair yet, Scott? I have not indulged myself in a oh, donair yet, but I did, I did visit the town last night for the first time with some colleagues here. And we had a little bit too much fun at lower deck, so that's uh, oh, good spot. That's been my experience so far. Yeah, I, you know, I I have not been blessed to uh, party it up in Halifax, but my mother's from the East Coast. She's from Cape Breton and lived in Halifax for a couple of years, and she says that uh, it's a fun time in that city. It certainly is is a fun time. The one time I was there, though, I think I went to Bubbles Mansion. I don't believe it's there anymore, but he had a restaurant. Um, Bubbles from Trailer Park Boys, and that was that was a very interesting spot, uh, to say the least. Uh, so, Scott, we're entering day three of the World Junior Hockey Championships tonight. Uh, there's a couple of games, got U.S. and Slovakia at 4 o'clock, and then Canada looking to bounce back from their first loss against Czechia. How much pressure do you think is going to be on this team to respond after losing, losing their first opener since 1998? Well, if it were right into a tougher opponent, I would say that there would be a great deal of pressure, but I think there's going to be very little in their next two games. They almost get to, by default, feel really good about themselves coming out of out of the loss. Uh, they took sort of yesterday and this morning off, no morning skate, no practice yesterday, just a bit of a reset. And now they get Austria and Germany in their next two, and they're going to put up some big, big numbers, I think. I think you could see Connor Bedard score a hat-trick in the next couple of games, and you could see Adam Fantilli sort of get back at it after a disappointing sort of World Juniors debut. So uh, the schedule shaped up nicely for them that way, where they don't have to go right into Sweden, and suddenly they're reeling, and they're 0-2, and everybody's talking about it. And uh, now they get to sort of really, really get get rolling here and get some chemistry and and I, I honestly expect that it's going to be kind of uh eight nothing, nine nothing, ten nothing games over the next two. So uh it's it's uh that that's the way it goes at this tournament sometimes, especially without Russia participating. There are just a, a couple of less uh interesting games, but uh Canada's going to be all right and they've they've got an opportunity now to, to feel good about themselves. Scott, are you with me that something like the other night can actually be good for them in the long run in this tournament? Oh, no question. I think it's good for them. I think it's good for this tournament. It, it immediately pulls fans into it in terms of interest level. It immediately becomes a, a talking point around the country. Uh, and then on top of that, it's it's a wake-up call. I had a, a general manager with an SHL team when I was working on a different story who kind of joked with me on the phone yesterday that people in Europe aren't 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 too upset to see Canada get kicked quote kicked in the teeth so uh it's uh, i think everybody in the tournament sort of takes notice and Canada has to has to reset it was a bad game they were sloppy defensively they were undisciplined that is often a major 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 issue at this tournament whenever Canada doesn't win gold the the undoing is if it's not goaltending which it also was in their opener it's often too many penalties and Playing that sort of playing on the edge, getting too heated, especially on home ice with crowds like the ones that they're going to have here, keeping their calm and keeping their cool is going to be huge in this tournament. If they end up in the box in an elimination game against any of the good teams in this tournament, there's a real chance they lose. So uh, this is a this is a, a big wake up call for them, and I think it could be good. A lot of these kids haven't faced adversity really at any point in their careers, and now they've got it on their biggest stage to date, and. 
uh, they've got to find a way to, to sort of come together and bounce back. In conversation with Scott Wheeler of The Athletic, and, you know, we'll get to the goaltending in just a moment, but a, a lot of the online buzz around the loss of Czechia stemmed from really like two Michigan attempts, and it set Twitter ablaze because they lost the game and they tried some cute things. I mean, did, did you think that it was warranted, the criticism that this team got for trying to play too cute and, you know, trying to, to be skilled with all the toe drags and, and whatnot? And, and do you think this team, you know, is built where they can play more of a, a north-south game and, and win games that way? Honestly, it wasn't even the, – the two Michigan attempts were not even among my sort of five biggest takeaways, if I were to give you them, from that game. The, again, the goaltending, the discipline – the sloppiness defensively. There was a little bit of hero mode once they got down, but when those two Michigan attempts uh, were tried, they weren't down. It, it wasn't like that was the point in the game where they started forcing things. I actually thought they started forcing things a little bit later, and everybody started to try to sort of will plays into existence. Uh, those two pl- plays both really happened in the flow of the game, and the Fantilli one was extremely close to going in. Uh, obviously, the Bedard one got knocked, and that was a great defensive play by Spotcheck. But uh, no, I don't. I don't mind those either of those plays at all. It, it becomes a talking point when they don't score, and we get the the sort of classic: is it is it worth it? Is it even a a, a worthwhile sort of scoring chance? And really, uh, unless you're you're going to go low to high from that position on both of those plays, unless you're playing it back to the point, that's that's really one of your options. So I, I didn't mind them. Either of them uh, making that play, they're both capable of putting that in the net. Uh, it just didn't go in for them uh, on those two occasions. Well, so Scott, you mentioned the goaltending, and nobody knows more about the draft than you, I think. So I'm curious. Like I'm looking here at at you know some hockey reference drafts, Canadians drafted into the NHL, played NHL games, and there's just like not a lot in there. What do you think mm-hmm. is the issue? Like, why do you think? The goaltending, Canadian goaltending is kind of, I don't know if dried up is the right word, but why do you think the country is not producing goaltenders like maybe they did? Well, it's a very good question. Uh, yeah, I mean, in, even if you look at the, the history at the World Juniors, forget the draft. Uh, Canadian goaltender has won the Tournament Directorate Award for top goaltender just two times in the last 14 years. Uh, one of them was Devin Levi, and Devin Levi has really been the only start-to-finish true sort of number one goaltender in this tournament. Dylan Garand was was great for for Canada last year, uh, but it's been a long time. We're 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 way removed now from Roberto Luongo and Carey Price and Marc Andre Fleury and that sort of golden generation of Canadian goaltenders. And uh, it's I mean if you were even if you were to look today at at uh, what Canada would look like in a best on best competition, it's it's Carter Hart, Tristan Jari, Darcy Kemper, Logan Thompson, who was playing Canadian University Hockey a couple of years ago. Those are your, those are the best goalies in the country at this point. And uh, I don't know, to, to answer your question more directly, I don't know what the solution is. I don't know where it's gone wrong. Goaltending is a very fickle thing for me, and I often rely on others more than myself for those evaluations. Uh, but I, I think the, the structure in Canada, as far as, uh, the way that, that games are played at the junior hockey level might have something to do with it. Uh, they, we all know that the CHL, all three of the leagues in the CHL, are extremely high-scoring, porous defensively. These goalies are getting lit up more often than they're pitching a 35-save shutout. Uh, and some of that is is the talent level, but certainly some of it, I think, is just a byproduct of, of the way that they're brought up. The goaltenders 
in in uh, in Europe get to square up to a lot more shots. There are shots coming from further distances over there, and then maybe that maybe it's a confidence thing. Maybe they get to build build confidence and control. Uh, I'm sure there's more to it. I'm sure goalie gurus would tell you that there's there's something to the coaching over there that's doing a better job. And uh, obviously, we've seen in the U.S. the success that they've had. Uh, their goaltenders today would be Connor Hellebuck and Jake Ottinger, two of the best goaltenders in the world. So. Uh, I don't know. I, I really, really don't know what's happened, but it has been, it's been a while since, since Canada has produced a sort of true top end goaltender. Even the, the best prospects in the sport right now who are bre- about to break into the league are Jeper Wallstedt of, of Sweden and Yaroslav Askarov of Russia, right? It's, it's not coming. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, I don't know. It's, it's not, uh, not good. It's probably Canada's, sort of biggest weakness uh, on the world stage as far as development goes. Yeah, if I was a general manager of an NHL team, I think I'd be strictly looking at KHL goaltenders or MHL, VHL, whatever it is, because they seem to be doing something right when it comes to developing goalies. And, I mean, even to really quickly, I guess, link it back to the Maple Leafs, you look at the last few goalies that they've drafted, they're not from North America, right? You've got Dennis Hildeby, who they took this year, out of Sweden, and then you look at got uh, what Vashislav Peksa and then Artur Akhtiyamov, two Russian goaltenders. So it seems like even Toronto's starting to go with that mold, trying to find that guy across the pond to to make it work here in in, in uh, for Toronto. Yeah, there's no question. And in Hildeby's case, they they look like they've done a tidy bit of work with an overager who is playing extremely extremely well in the SHL this season. So. Uh, but they've, they've, the Leafs have drafted on the goaltending front. The Leafs have drafted as many goaltenders in the, I guess this is just anecdotal, but I would think that they've drafted as many goaltenders in the last seven or eight years as any team in the league. It seems like they, they pick one, uh, virtually every season. So, um, it's, uh, it's a work in progress for the Leafs as much as it is for, for Hockey Canada that way. And uh, the history of the Leafs at the draft in terms of drafting and developing goaltenders, uh, really isn't a, a very glossy one outside of, of Felix Potvin. There hasn't really been much that they've sort of done themselves within the organization at the draft. So, uh, that's another area that they need to, to sort of dial in on. In conversation with Scott Wheeler of The Athletic, he's out in Halifax for the World Junior Championships, and Canada gets back in action tonight, taking on Germany. Um, I, I'd imagine that most of our listeners are uh, not too familiar with the German squad, uh, Scott. So is, is there anyone to, to keep an eye on in that uh, from Germany in the game tonight? Uh, Julian Lutz is the big one, a, a second-round pick of, of the Arizona Coyotes. He dealt with all of last season, dealt with a really, really serious back injury that derailed his draft year. Uh, heading into that year, he was kind of viewed as a potential late first, uh, ended up being a second-round pick when when the injuries sort of cost him the, most of his games. Uh, but it's not a great German age group. I've actually been pleasantly surprised by how competitive they've been. They lost. Uh, obviously just one nothing to Sweden in a really, really tight game yesterday where the crowd got behind them as they tried to claw back. And, uh, but honestly, outside of, uh, outside of what, there isn't, uh, there isn't much there, uh, frankly, in terms of prospects. Nikita Kwop, their goaltender is a Carolina Hurricanes prospect, but, uh, until his sort of 43 on 44, uh, performance yesterday, and he was brilliant yesterday, 
I wasn't even sure he was the best goalie for them. He really, really struggled. Played a couple of the worst games I've seen a goalie play in a while this summer at the at the tournament in Edmonton. And they've got a kid by the name of Simon Wolf, who's a little bit a little bit younger and a little bit smaller, certainly, but uh, is is really talented in his own right. So they're going to need Coop to to sort of keep them in games, uh, and they're they're going to need a big performance at some point from Lutz if they want to make it to the quarterfinals. So uh, an interesting team in terms of it just not being what it once was. Uh, this has been a very competitive team in this tournament in recent years. We saw Tim Stutzla and JJ Paterka and Moritz Seider and some of the real stars of the tournament have been from Team Germany in the last four or five years. But uh, that that age group has now graduated and it's started to look more like the Germans looked for a long time before the sort of mid-2010s. Great stuff as always, Scott. Uh, enjoy the game tonight, and uh, we'll chat again down the road. Cheers, guys. All right. There we go. Scott Wheeler of The Athletic uh, covering the World Junior Championships for The Athletic. Um, and I <laughs> I can't believe he's he's been there for like three days, I think, three or four days. Hasn't had a donor yet. That's blasphemous. Yeah, but he went to the lower deck. If you've ever been to, I, I don't think you've been there yet. Like you went to the mansion, but the lower deck is a time. Like it's fun. It's I've heard. a cool spot. It's something unique about. Like when you go there, you like you gotta go to the lower deck. Is I, that on I, the hill? Like where that all the bars? It's right I there believe so. Seat. Yes, yeah. I went a long time ago and and had fun. But it's funny. Like we go back to the the goaltending stuff with the Leafs. Mm-hmm. And even just like Canadian goaltending, like you look at some of the guys, I think the last Canadian goaltender, if I'm looking at this right, to play 100 games in the NHL, last drafted. Can you guess who it is? By the Leafs? Just any team. Forget about the Leafs, actually. Carter Hart? I guess yeah. Well, maybe I'm looking at this wrong. I gotta look at this better. <laughs> I think this is wrong. What do you? What, what information are, do you have? Scarhart's definitely played 100 games in the NHL. He's yeah, Canadian he drafted, playing a draft. Anyway, there's not a lot of guys. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> what was the name that, that you uncovered there? I thought it was Matt Murray, but obviously Carter Hart is drafted after Matt Murray, so maybe I got some of these settings wrong. I don't know. <laughs> but Perhaps, Scott is right. But... Like if there were a best on best tournament, and obviously there isn't. It would be an interesting conversation about like who is the guy because there's yeah. no Carey Price, obviously. Roberto Longo's in the Hall of Fame. Like, I guess it would be Carter Hart, it's, maybe. It's so strange because you think back to like like ten years ago or twelve years ago, back in in Vancouver, 2010 Olympics. You had Marty Brodeur, Roberto Luongo, and Carey Price, like three bona fide Hall of Famers in net. Fast forward just a dozen years, and we're sitting with Carter Hart. Tristan Jari and Darcy Kemper. Like, no offense to those guys. I think they are good goaltenders, but it is like the talent level has fallen off a cliff when you look at goaltenders. I mean, it's, it, I really don't understand it. And this is something that I wanted to ask um, Craig Button, and unfortunately, we weren't able to get him on today. But this was something that I wanted to ask him and why he believes, you know, goalies just haven't been developed within Canada. And you know, there's a couple of guys every year who get drafted. Like, I think a couple of years back, Sebastian Coso was drafted out of Detroit, and, you know, they're hoping he can be that next Canadian goalie of the future. But is he going to be? I mean, I don't know. We, we've heard that about a lot of goaltenders, you know, over the course of the last five, six years. And even a guy like Carter Hart, 
he's had his ups and downs. It wasn't like he shot out of a cannon in the way that, you know, a Shesterkin did or a Sorokin or, um, you know, Vasilevsky really got going and, and, and just became a superstar from day one. Haven't quite had that from any Canadian goaltender in the last little bit. I mean, Matt Murray started off hot, but then look what happened to him. You know, I mean, like, we're I'm trying to think of somebody, a Canadian goaltender, who at the age of like 20, 21, in the way that Carey Price did, became a mainstay, became the starting goalie, and ran with the job and, and rattled off, you know, five, six, seven successful seasons in a row. I'm just struggling coming up with names here. I'm looking at the Canadian save percentage leaders this year. Do you know who's number one? Number one in, in save percentage? Got to be Carter yep, Hart, no? Just, no, it is your guy, Matt Murray. 925. Oh, yeah, that would make now, sense. Now, granted, he's only played yeah. 12 games, but, like, these are the guys. Okay, this is the list. Matt Murray, Darcy Kemper, Tristan Jari, Stuart Skinner, Cam Talbot, Logan Thompson, Sam Montembeau, Carter Hart, Scott Wedgwood. That's your top 10-ish. Or, that's nine. Logan Thompson was a name that Scott had mentioned. And this is somebody who was legitimately playing 30 minutes down the road from where I'm sitting right now for Brock University, like, three or four years ago. And now he's in contention for, and I say that with air quotes, in contention potentially as, like, one of Canada's goaltenders if they were to go to a best-on-best tournament. I guess the good news is there are no best-on-best tournaments anymore, so you don't have to worry about it. I guess not. Although, I think Logan Thompson, if I'm not mistaken, did he play at the World Championships last year? I think I remember him playing World Championships last year or the year before. Um, so, so he may have played for Team Canada at one point. He in, did in the last couple of seasons. Yeah, yeah. I thought I remember that name kind of poking around a little bit. Uh, but we'll see. Man, I don't know. The the goaltending situation here in North America is strange. And not North America. It's Canada because the U.S. They've been able to uncover Hellebuck, Thatcher Demko. I mean, John Gibson. He's starting to fall off, but like he was a mainstay for about ten years in the NHL as a top five goaltender. So really, it's just Canada who's really fallen behind. I mean, Finland's got UC Soros, and they seem to be pumping out some guys. Sweden, obviously, they've got a whole bunch of of goaltenders as well. Markstrom, um, Allmark, and you know, you can think of a couple other guys. But really, I mean, the KHL's been a, a breeding ground for goalies really in the last decade or so. It's incredible. You look at the amount of Russian goaltenders that have made their way across the seas and are having instant success and instant impact. I'm thinking Shesterkin, Vasilevsky, Sorokin. You get this Peter Kachekov kid over in uh, over in, in Carolina who's uh, you know a Russian goalie who's having a lot of success early in his career. So there's just a lot of guys out there who, uh, who are making their way overseas that are, I mean, just finding success and here in Canada just really struggling to develop some goaltending. All right, Jonas, on the other side, we're going to debut a new segment. So you are going to be the first co-host to debut this segment. I think this is a tremendous thing for you, something that you can definitely put on your resume. It's good because I will be honest with you if I don't like it. Okay, fantastic. I mean, there's been a lot of segments on this radio station that have been debuted with Jonas, whether it's (laughs) Here's the Thing Jonas or These Eyes Have Seen. Trivia, the, uh, trivia was was debuted with yourself on Overdrive. So yeah, we'll 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 have to get the full report on how you think this goes down. It's called Word Association Wednesday. One word. We'll have these statements, and we have one, uh, yeah, one word, but they're full of meaning. 
So we'll do that on the other side. Word Association Wednesday coming up next here on Leafs Lunch. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Wednesday? Wednesday? What? What Wednesday? What is that? Word. 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 Tell me what's the word I wait up. Welcome back into Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. I'm Mike DiStefano with Jonas Siegel of The Athletic. All right, first and foremost, you got to grade it. How was the sting? That was our that was the inaugural sting for Word Association Wednesday. How was it, Jonas? So far, I'm really impressed. All that right. was strong. Like I like I like a tie-in like that. I like good music. I like it. I like I'm into it. it. We'll keep the we'll keep the bed underneath a little bit. Give us some, you know, some background music for the segment. All right. So the way that it's going to work, okay? I'm going to I'm going to read out a sentence and read out a statement. And you're going to use one word to describe it. So it's that word association game, right? What's the first word that comes to your mind after I read out this statement, whether it's a stat, a question, uh, you know, how you're feeling about something. So let's get going here. Jonas, one word to describe William Nylander's game-winning goal last night. Determined. Ooh, I like that one. And now you want me to talk about my choice of word? Yes, why was it determined the first word that popped into your mind? Then? He just made that happen against, obviously, Tarasenko turns the puck over, but like he turns the puck over because William Neander makes him turn the puck over. And, and like you mentioned before, once he gets in alone, you're, you're thinking he's going to score. Like There's some yeah. guys you're like, eh, he get a breakaway, he's probably not scoring. Yeah, like TJ Brody, for example. <laughs> exactly. Like <laughs> Obviously. like William Neander's in his own class, and like this is... You're kind of seeing him really, really, really come into his own this year. Like, obviously, last year was impressive. I think he's probably taken another mini step this year. He's on pace for, I don't know, like 90-plus points. 48 Four- goals, 93 points. Yeah, and, like, we we never talk about that contract anymore. That contract's looking pretty good, that $6.9 yep. million cap hit. And, like, this was the thing. Like, he's just going to continue to get better and better and better. And the goal scoring obviously has come on this year. We mentioned, you know, his vision, the way he sees the ice, the way he can pass, and determination. If like he can add that more consistently, which I think he has year over year over year, he becomes like Sheldon Keefe has mentioned. He becomes one of the better players in the NHL. I'm curious if you think what we're seeing from William Nylander this season is this is this peak Nylander, or do you think there might even be one more gear he could get to? I mean, Keith has mentioned this before. He said that he still thinks that there's more that Nylander can do, and I think what he's talking about is defensively, if he can continue to be a little bit more, I think the word that, that kind of sums up Nylander's career in this respect is engaged, another word association. Yeah. So like, if he's just a little more engaged, a little more consistently, I think that pushes him up a notch. But I think this is we're getting pretty close to what his ceiling is. Like, if he's a 50-90 guy or a 40-90 guy, that's pretty good. Like, that's that's, that's elite, elite, elite. Oh, I mean, that's that's top-line winger status on most NHL teams, realistically. Like, there's not mm-hmm. many guys who you can count on for 40 goals, 90 points um, on, on a season, and that's what he's on pace to do this year. For me, the word that I want to describe that goal, explosive. 
That ah. was an explosive play, an explosive goal, and the explosion that he needed out of those quads to get separation from Vladimir Tarasenko last night, um, and then just to coast in, make that move on on Bennington and Rufit. I think it was a very explosive play out of Bill Nye, the backhand guy. Last well, week. I can tell you that that is something he works on a lot. His explosion, yeah. like one of the things he does after I think every practice is he'll just stand at the blue line and go through the neutral zone and just stop, start. Like, first step, explosion. And he does it every time, and he goes through a series of repetitions, and he's built. Like, I, I you can't really tell sometimes with all the equipment. Like, he's a, he's a built dude. Well, you didn't see those commercials, those sauna commercials with those massive quads that he has? Oh, yes. <laughs> Come on, that, that was real, no? You're telling me that that was CGI? No chance. No chance. That's that's real. It's real stuff right there. Actually, or was that Spezza, actually, that had the massive That was Spezza, force? but that's okay. Oh, Don't yeah, give a plug unless you're getting a plug, unless you're getting a, a cut. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, you can tell. It's really starting to, to show his explosiveness. And I mean, he's a guy who seemingly gets a breakaway or two a game. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's definitely uh, paying off. That's it. Practice makes perfect, kids. So there's uh, an example of it. All right, next one, Jonas. You're feeling around Ilya Samsonov play as of late. Last three games, 4-0-0 goals against with an 8.52 save percentage in his last three starts. Expected. I mean, this was his Come first on. 11 games. Yeah, his first 11 games, he had a 9.39 save percentage. It, 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 was, it wasn't going to last. Like He was going to yeah. come back down to earth. This is... He's not going to be this, like, you know, his last three games, 821, 842, 882. Like, he's not this, but he was going to come back down to earth. Like, he had played really well. He'd probably been a a bit lucky some nights, but this was expected. Like, he was going to come back down to earth. He's, I think he's at 920 now for the year. Even that's still a bit high. That's what happens. Like, he's not Carey Price. Yeah, I guess the word that I was going to use, which is very similar, is just regression, right? Like that's yeah. But when you say expected, it's like yeah, I expected him to let him four goals for the next three games. Like ah, not necessarily. But I think this is just regression, right? This is something that he wasn't going to be a nine thirty goaltender. He's not going to be an eight fifty goaltender either. This is just a way for those things to kind of even out. And at the end of the season, maybe a nine ten, nine eleven, nine twelve goalie. Um, I think we'd all be pretty happy if, if that was the final, you know, his final save percentage at the end of the season. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not worried about it. Like I said, I think this is a little bit of a blip, but something that I think now we can start to kind of focus in on and see how he can progress coming off of these games and, uh, you know, how he starts to play in the next, you know, three to five starts. If this continues for a couple more, then maybe the word would be a little bit different. Maybe the word at that point becomes concerned if it's like five, six games in a row where he allows four goals. But so far, uh, I think just this is just slight regression. All right, next one. So you're Connor Timmons. How are you feeling with the impending returns of Rasmus Sandin and Morgan Riley? Fine. Because, like, I... I can't control that stuff. Those guys have come back. I'm playing Connor Timmons now. This is role play. Yes. How about yes. that? <laughs> I can't control that stuff. Like Morgan Riley, he's the team's best defenseman. He's going to play when he comes back in. Rasmus Sandin, 
before this top prospect for the team. He's going to play when he comes in. All I needed to do if I was Connor Timmons is, one, stay healthy, because obviously that's been an issue the last few years. It happens. And and perform how I can perform. And, you know, I talked to him when he got traded here, and that was one of the things he said. He said, I want to prove that I'm an NHL defenseman, and he is proving that. Like, it's still early. He hasn't played a lot of games, but he is showing why he was a pretty well-thought-of prospect, and you can kind of see a lot of the tools. You mentioned the size before in the show. Like, he's 6'2". He's a right shot. He can move the puck. He is proving what he wants to prove, and, and that's all he needs to do. And eventually... Things have a way of sorting themselves out. You mentioned Justin Hall as a UFA. We'll see what happens with Jake Muzzin in the future. We'll see what happens with, I mean, the whole team in the future. He's putting himself in a position to be in the NHL long term. For me, I'm going to use, uh, I don't know if it's a word or a sound, but it's ugh. Ugh is the word. It's like, again, I'm off. Is that allowed? I, hey, it's my segment. I can do whatever I want here, Jonas. U-G-H is how it would be spelt in you know, a story, so we'll call it a word. It's, it's ugh. That's the feeling I'm getting. Um, look, I, I think if you're Connor Simmons, you've played well enough, I would say. Look at that. Josh showing us that is in the dictionary. It is a word. Ugh. And it says, used to express disgust or horror. So it's, you know, disgust that it's I played this well, and I still am not going to be an NHL regular. And I understand that with the Maple Leafs, he is the odd man looking, you know, on the odd man looking in. He is the seventh best defenseman, you know, at this point with Toronto. So from a Toronto perspective, I understand it. But if I'm Connor Timmons, I'm looking at my entire career, and I'm like, this is happening again. Happened to be in Colorado. There was a lot of good defensemen, a lot of good prospects, and they decided to move me out to Arizona. And then I couldn't get into Arizona. The injuries occurred, and then I couldn't really crack the lineup for whatever reason when I was with the Coyotes, and they traded me to Toronto. And then I sat for a week or two before some injuries piled up, and I finally got myself into the lineup. And now when guys are coming in, I've played well enough, I believe, to consider myself uh, you know, as good as a regular NHL defenseman. I've played my way into becoming or at least solidify myself as a, a third-pair guy. But unfortunately, due to the way that this team is set up and due to the skill level around me and those guys having spots in the lineup, I'm going to find myself up in the press box again. Ugh, the, 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 the horror of what my career is turning into. That's a very negative attitude. If I'm Connor yeah, Timmons, well. that's not the right attitude. How can he be excited about sitting up in the press box? Go ask Frankie Corrado how that felt. Yeah, but it's not the same situation at all. Kind His of. situation is unique. Like you, you mentioned, you kind of skimmed through the the time in Colorado. He was hurt for he missed an entire season. Yeah, like he was hurt for most of that team, and that that team had some pretty good defensemen. Like it's not, and it's the same kind of situation. I know you're alluding to it here. Like they have a lot of defensemen, but you got to think bigger picture. Like we're thinking into the future. This dude's only 24. Long term, he is setting himself up to be part of this team. Long term, like it's early. He hasn't played that lot of games. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Jonas. <laughs> From the age, they say that like the age of, and by they, I mean like defensemen will tell you this. the The age in your early twenties is a chance for you to really start your career and solidify things. You know, it's very. It's not common that we see guys at twenty five, twenty six finally break into the NHL. That's not true. That's Defense, not true at all. But this is a chance. It's the he's opposite. missed out. Here's what I, what I mean. There is he's missed out on all this development time, and and the only way to develop is to play games. That's what I mean by that. Not necessarily break into the NHL, but he needs to play games in order to progress himself in his career, and he hasn't had that opportunity. 
at all. And now he's not going to play games again just based on the depth chart. Not on do you know what happens on the depth when you, chart. Do you know what happens when you start thinking that way? Injuries happen. And suddenly, all of a sudden, you think you're not going to get to play, and you get to play because yeah. injuries happen. That's it's going to happen. Like He's going to get opportunities. And if I'm him, I'm feeling pretty good. He knows this team. He knows the, the personnel. Like Obviously, he dates back to Kyle Dubas from the Sioux. He knows yeah. that they believe in him. He fits their style of play. He should be feeling pretty good about himself right now, I think. You're, don't be negative. All right. So we'll think a little bit more positively here. How about this one for, uh, for positivity? Connor McDavid's odds at winning the heart, Art Ross, and the Rocket. Strong. Huh? Yeah, realistic. I think he's like. Has that? I I didn't look. Has it ever been done? It has uh, to have been, right? I'm sure it's been done. I mean, probably. I mean, Gretzky probably did it once upon a time. I would think. I don't actually know that, but just based on how his career has gone, I would assume. Like, which one is he unlikely to win? Like, he's right now. He's at 31 goals. He's five up on Tage Thompson and Bo Horvat. Yeah. He's got 67 points, which is 10 better than Leon Draisaitl in second. The Art Ross is, is in the bag. That's the okay, most so, likely for him to win, in my opinion. So he's going to win the MVP, right? Like, that's probably um, in the bag? Also likely to happen, but the MVP is a weird one where it's like, oh, you know, he plays with Leon Draisaitl though. Like, is he that valuable? Then you get into the whole discussion between what, how much value does he have compared to other players and yeah, That's but like, who's even who's even the sec? Who would even be second on your ballot right now? Well, for MVP? I, I agree with you. He'd be he'd be number one on my ballot. Like he would be. I just know that there's a lot of voters who think that way, and it's like, well, is he really valuable if he has a guy like Leon Drysaddle with him, who's also number two? That's silly. and what if they don't make the playoffs? If they don't make if, the playoffs, well, that gets interesting. I mean, I still voted. I think I voted him first the year he didn't make the playoffs is that for what MVP. Yeah, and I feel pretty yeah. good about that vote because there was some argument. Do you remember? You probably remember this. There are people who would put him on their ballot, but they're like, he can't be first, and I didn't understand that logic. But anyway, like I think, I think his odds of winning all three are very good. Like, yeah, he's going to win the scoring race, like you mentioned. He's going to win the MVP almost certainly, and I, I don't know who's going to challenge him for the the rocket. Like maybe Austin Matthews goes on like a forty and forty kind of run, but like, I don't know. Yeah, I think, uh, where did I see this? The Athletic, uh, your, your pals at The Athletic did compose like some sort of uh, list for, was it mid-season or at December mark, about where they voted on uh, who's going to win awards. Mm-hmm. 75% said Connor McDavid will win the Rocket. Tage Thompson came in at second. And then uh, Austin Matthews didn't receive a single vote for who they believe will win the Rocket. So he's fallen off of a lot of ballots here. As uh, as they get into November and the goal is still not coming, he was 82 percent at the beginning of the year, and I've got McDavid at 75.7 leading the way. So interesting there. All right, Jonas, what do you think? I like it. I think this yeah. game is great. There we go. It's got legs. It'll make a return at some point. Maybe next Wednesday. Maybe the Wednesday after. But it's now a segment that we can do. Uh, whenever we feel like it's on a Wednesday. Word Association Wednesday, the first one in the books. It's got the Jonas Siegel. Uh, it's got the stamp of approval. These eyes have seen a solid segment. Would you say that, Jonas? I would, but can I just add, uh, Josh just sent us the hard odds from FanDuel. Uh-huh. This is nuts. Do you see this? Yeah, I am. Do I you want to read it? Connor McDavid currently leading the way at minus 145. 
Uh, and next best is Jason Robertson at plus 800. So there is a sizable gap, a massive gap. between. That's a first, gap. And that is a gap. And, and I mean, yeah, like Robertson. He's not winning ago, MVP. He's a month ago, not. he was much closer. A month ago, I would have put Robertson up at the top, I think, to be honest with you. But at this point, he's kind of slowed down and, and you know, fallen back to maybe where he's supposed to be. Uh, and McDavid has just picked it up and, and really ran away with it. I'm surprised. We're just looking at the top nine right now that Tage Thompson isn't in the top nine or top ten. Like You probably get some pretty points. good odds. What about Mitch Marner? I yeah, mean, right I, now we have Matthews is plus 2,500, so 25 to 1. Yeah, I, and I personally, I would say that Marner's been more valuable than than Austin Matthews, so I would probably take that value. Both Thompson and Marner sitting at uh, plus thirty five hundred. Oh, that's to, pretty uh, good, Josh. That might be worth a sprinkle, maybe. Although it's if you not going to happen. McDavid's right? going to run away with it. I guess you're kind of lighting your money on fire, but um, eh, maybe plus thirty five hundred. It's not terrible. Terrible odds, that's for sure. Getting a little bit from it. Um, I want to ask you about. Uh, we'll do this on the other side. But I referenced that athletic article where they took a look at at some awards at the December mark. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the Jack Adams, there's a certain man in Toronto got no love. I want to get your thoughts on why you believe that is. We'll do that on the other side. I'm Mike DiStefano with Jonah Siegel from The Athletic. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. I'm Mike DiStefano with Jonas Siegel of The Athletic. This is Jonas's song. We let him choose the final song to listen to, to come into the segment, and this is what he went with. What in what went into that decision, Jonas? It's a BC Boys, not a deep, I guess it is a deep cut. Gratitude? BC it's Boys not fan? In my, it's not in my wheelhouse, I'll be honest with you. Okay. Not in my wheelhouse. You need to do some research then. Yeah, I mean, I'm... You know, I'm more of like early 2000s pop punk era. You know, I grew up in like through the 2000s and and whatnot. So that's so who so who is that? So who are your who are your bands? Who are your artists? Uh, Like Fall Out Boy and you know the end. I guess like Simple Plan ish era, like as they were kind of phasing out from their popular stuff. You know, I think that's probably where I'm at. Panic at the Disco. You know, stuff like that. Was okay. uh, was more so what I was listening to growing up. Um, so Jonas, uh, I was reading this athletic article and going through uh, at the midway point, I suppose, at the December mark, going into the Christmas holidays. Uh, was everybody tasked to to vote here? Where did you get a vote in these? Yes. So the way it works is. At the beginning of the season, I think even going back to the off season, they send us some questions to answer, including who we think will win certain awards. Yeah. And then they'll send us it again a month into the season and see how things have changed. And then they'll send it again. And throughout the year, we'll just kind of keep updating where we think certain things will, or where we think things will go in the NHL. Gotcha. So 
when we look at coach of the year, you look at the Jack Adams. Uh, this one I find to be interesting because I like what will it take for Sheldon Keefe to get some love because he was not voted at any point here um, as one of the guys who are Jack Adams eligible. There were six different coaches who received a vote, and he was not one of them. What can you would it name take? the six coaches? Yes, I can. Just give me one Do you want me to second. Give you some time. Because I, I think the, the issue for Sheldon Keefe, go ahead. So R- Jim Montgomery, who I believe is the front runner, yep. and, and I think that Lindy Ruff would be the number two guy. Now you get into Rick Bonus, Bruce Cassidy, Rod Brindamore, and Jared Bednar. I think you could make the argument that Sheldon Keefe is in that in that wow. realm of the Rod Brindam of like Jared Bednar, Rod Brindamore realm. Just because you look at the adversity that this team has has had to overcome. I mean, how does he not get credit for that? Wait, 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 wait. Jared Bednar's and has gotten more votes than Charlie Keefe. Yes, that doesn't make any sense. Like Colorado has a six oh six winning percentage. They're they're like middle of the league. That so doesn't make saying, any sense. So I mean, you could say Rick Bonus. Rick Bonus's team. It. I I grant you, they've made progress. Obviously, given everything that happened in the off season last season, but his case isn't stronger than Sheldon Keefe. I think the guys you could look at and say their case is definitively stronger than Keefe, or like marginally, whatever you want to say, like Bruce Cassidy in Vegas, I think is probably, eh, maybe Keith has passed him. You'd say Jim Montgomery for sure, right? Like, Yeah. Uh, to me, he, I probably have, so Jim Montgomery I'd have as my top guy. Lindy Ruff would be my second. I could Rod flip, Brindamore's got to be Rod, like... Rod, Rod the Bod could be three, but then Sheldon Keith to me is is four after that, and he may even be three. Yeah. But but you're, for us, we're voting on one person. I voted Jim Montgomery this past time. Like they have four regulation losses now. The oh, Leafs have seven, and they've had tons of injuries. Boston had some injuries at the start of the year. They didn't have Marshan. They didn't have uh, Charlie McAvoy. I mean, their goaltending has been exceptional. It the problem is like there's just there's there's other guys who have had. I don't think you would say better seasons, but I mean, it's, except for Jim Montgomery and maybe Brindamore, but like. A lot of it is narrative. A lot of it is the perceptions and everything like that. Playoffs will probably factor in just based on where this team has been. I don't know. It's going to be hard for him to win Coach of the Year, honestly. It will be. And just looking at this list, it's funny. I think there's about 16 different coaches who, from preseason to now, have been has received a vote, one of which being Barry Trotz, who received a vote back in uh, the preseason to win a Coach of the Year thinking that he would come out of retirement and, and help somebody, or not retirement, but sign somewhere and uh, help them get over the hump at some point. And, and now all of a sudden you look, 45.9% have voted Jim Montgomery, and, and I think he probably is, is also my front runner. So I suppose it makes sense, but I think Sheldon Keefe deserves a lot of credit for where this team's at right now. And uh, I, I think when you look at it, he'll end up on somewhere on some ballots by the end of the year. Or at least I hope he does, because I think he deserves that type of recognition. All right, Jonas, that does it for us here today. Appreciate you uh, stopping in and, and chat with us for the next couple hours uh, while Julia's away. You're back on Friday. I am, and hopefully we get to. Well, I guess we, it's not. It won't be a Wednesday, so we don't get to play word association. Too bad. No, we'll have to think of something else, some other alliteration for Friday. Friday five something rather, maybe. 
We'll think about it. We got a couple of days till we got to get there. But that does it for us on the show today. Appreciate everyone for stopping by. Uh, there's a game tonight. Canada taking on Germany. Uh, you can listen to that right here on TSN 1050. No gameplay today, but Overdrive will be up at 4 p.m. For Jonas Siegel at the, uh, up, up the Athletic, I'm Mike DeStefi. You've been listening to gameplay. Leafs lunch here on TSN 1050.